Hello and welcome to 1882. This is your Tottenham podcast and during the festive season you can join us as we um, make our way through the forest and back to White Hart Lane. I'm your host Ash and joining me as always is my big beau and the belated birthday boy Chris. How you doing mate? How we doing man? You all good? Yeah, yeah, all good. Did you have a good birthday? Yeah, it was good man and uh, Tottenham making it nice and easy this time normally it's a uh, pressing but this time they're doing they've done great so couldn't yeah. be up. good stuff good stuff and we've got a special guest with us today uh, it's a young man who's been doing some great work within the community and we are delighted to finally have him on the show he's been uh, one that we've been looking to get on for quite a while now and it's uh, it's young harry scarf how you doing mate Oh, very good, thank you. It's great to be here. Um, so yeah, thank you very much for having me. Looking forward to getting into it. You know, Spurs playing some good stuff at the moment. Two wins in a row, um, which is good because sometimes it goes downhill towards Christmas time. So it's um, good to be in a little bit better position than we were a couple of weeks ago. So looking forward to getting into it. Thank you. It's an absolute pleasure to have you. Uh, when we have guests on, we usually try to uh, find out a little bit more about them and their, their sort of Spurs journey for like. So. Um, how how did you get into supporting Spurs and um, give us your favourite Spurs memory if you can? Oh, great question. How did I get into Spurs? Well, it's kind of run in you know my dad's side of the family, so I wasn't really given a choice. So <laughs> I, I had to um, adopt. I'm not going to complain uh, at all. Um, so yeah, obviously I haven't got that many memories to be honest with you. The ones that stand out though. For example, on TV will be the Champions League semi-final that that night alone. You know, just from thinking, you know, we've done really well to get to the semi-final, but it looks like we're going out, you know, three 0 down at one point on aggregate, and you know, just to to go through and you know how dramatic it was and under the circumstances for me, that's a memory that will always stick with me inside the stadium like this season. Like even like the winner against Liverpool, you know, how late it was and just how big that was because we know that Liverpool are a real force this season for the title and you know first year under Poster Colby, that is a, a statement win, even if it is against nine men. So in terms of actually being there, that, that Liverpool this season, that winner memory sticks with me. But generally, I don't think you can beat the Champions League semi-final. Nah, I think that's going to be a common response, to be fair, especially um, people that were, weren't were around for like the, the 80s or the 60s, <laughs> whenever it was we last won a trophy. We're a bit older, aren't we, Ashen? <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> There's not much difference in our memories, really, is there? Let's be honest. No, no, exactly. <laughs> but, <clears throat> excuse me. Right, so what, we, what we'll do first then, uh, just before we get into the, the Nottingham Forest game, um, I know, Harry, that you've been doing some some fantastic work through, um, is, it, is it Autism Helpful? Um, well, that's the Twitter handle, isn't it? Can you just tell us a little bit about the work you do um, with with this? Yeah, absolutely. Yes, yeah. so I am a, an advocate for uh, autism and neurodiversity. And I've had the privilege in, in 2023 to work with clubs like Fulham and Tottenham Hotspur on this, being showed around both stadiums and the um, the new sensory room, for example, at Tottenham Cottage, a sensory room they've got now and their plans for the future to build a new sensory room uh, in their new Riverside stand. So it's been very exciting. I'm very grateful for the opportunity and very grateful um, for my good friend Barney. I've had the privilege to meet and work with. Uh, and, and, you know, for me, it's about raising awareness because I think a lot of people, you know, of course you're going to get people ignorant in the world, in, you know, in and outside the football world. But I generally believe that people want to know it's just that they, they don't know and they haven't had someone to perhaps educate them about it so for me it's, a, it's about raising awareness and how important 
is because we all know how important inclusion is within the game. And I think there's still more than football clubs can do. There's still more that Premier League can do. For example, at the moment, you know, sensory rooms, there's, there's only about 13, 14 clubs uh, in, the, in the Premier League. You have that. Yeah, we want all 20 Premier League clubs to have access to uh, a sensory room. You know, very key for a lot of autistic people to use and to stimulate before, after and during the game. Spurs are the only club, as far as I know, at the top of my head, that you can access the sensory room during the game you, you can watch the game from there lift up the blinds you you can watch it and you'll see it away for everyone else outside the sensory room so it's just having that option so spurs in particular but also Fulham have really led the way on this issue and i've had the privilege to to work with both and it's been a, a really good first year that's good to hear and then i know there's obviously a lot that needs to need to be supported um, and I think, I don't know about you, but I think one thing that I've seen a lot of people start using more of and probably clubs should should help with is um, the accessibility to ear defenders um, and stuff like that. What are your feelings around that, Harry? Absolutely, completely agree with you. And because and ear defenders are widely used because they, they block out a lot of the sound. You know, like headphones are great and they block out a lot of the sound, but these, like, it's, you, could, you can barely hear anything and... You know, for example, I go to a special school and they're very heavily used uh, by a lot of people. They're very, very handy. And, um, you know, for, for me, I think that all Premier League clubs can potentially provide them. But if that's not possible, then then sell them in the club shops at the moment. You know, they aren't up for sale. There's a shortage of them generally in the country. As you said, the demand for them is going up. And listen, when you have outside of for a minute, a, a diagnosis list for an autism diagnosis in England of over 143,000, which is to give you an idea, just under 50% increase of this time last year. It's crazy. Then you know you're going to expect high demand for things like ear defenders, you know, to be needed. So I think Premier League clubs, we can all agree they've got the money, but if they can't provide uh, them for people who need them on a match day experience or request them beforehand then sell them in the club shop. So that, that alternative uh, options at the moment isn't being sold. I think it's a clubs in particular, Spurs could really jump on that. Another way to make money. And, you know, because a lot of people go to, for example, my school, we went to Tottenham versus Leicester back when Antonio Conte was managing. Not a majority, I had obviously, but a majority of people there, if not all, had never been to a game before. They didn't know what it was like, should they take ear defenders? So to find that there, because a lot of them got there and was oh, you know, I think I'm going to need ear defenders. That just having that option for me is... Sorry for that, Harry. I think it's... It's one of those things where you could, I could, I've never been in that situation. She could probably enlighten us, but a lot of kids probably don't want to wear them because of the stigma that people have and, and the ignorance. So, do you mind boosting their confidence by having Tottenham branded or your favourite football club branding? I think it would work wonders for kids. Yeah, it absolutely would. It makes a big difference. Like you said, there's a lot of stigma. Uh, unnecessary stigma around it which is sad I think you're always going to get that but if we can minimize that and educate people then that's you know all for the better but best first can really make money from this is we know that they hold events NFL etc then they can customize them they can create ones when they have NFL when they have a certain artist in there's you know there's, there's no kind of limit on where it could go and I just think that's you know an opportunity the club are missing out on to make money but most importantly an opportunity to help you know lots of people um because they're, they're very key i think they'd be very popular really wide use and, and i saw in the spurs club shop last year them selling stress balls for example um so little things like that but for me i, I look at football clubs and go right you, you don't advertise 
anything to to do with with autism you know when it comes to autism awareness week next year april time etc autism awareness day itself i just think the clubs can can do more they can put out an effort because it, it ultimately looks good for clubs as well she would think that they would adopt it and kind of be all over it but like you said um you know there's there's so much more that can be done there's a lot of ignorance in and outside the football world so you know the more people know about things like autism is is very helpful yeah and Obviously, you mentioned about the work that clubs as a whole um, could do to support people with autism and, and other and other needs. Um, in terms of fans individually, is there anything that fans could do on a one to one basis that could maybe support? Um, it might be a difficult question to answer, um, but as you mentioned, there are sometimes stigma or unhelpful comments made. Is there anything that fans can do on an individual basis that would help the experience of people with autism on match days? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a great question. I think it's it's one that a lot of people want to know the answer to, but it's a kind of like open question. I don't think there is no defined answer, but because this is the, the beauty of it, I suppose. Every individual with autism goes to be different. Some people will really appreciate that help. Some may not and may think you're coming across the wrong way. So, you know, it's, it's, it's hard in the moment what to do to help, but there, there's people that know that are being prevented from from going to watch matches or there's people going there who have to leave early because the noise is too high etc um so you know obviously we still want to ultimately see the goal is to to make sure everyone has a positive match day experience at the moment for me most stadiums 90 95 percent of people are having a positive match day experience so what i'm kind of saying to clubs is what can't why can't we get this to 100 percent? we don't need to take away from what fans have at the moment to to you know there's no need for that like you've got the trumpets drums will criticize etc i'm all for that and i think because you can provide things like ear defenders therefore fans can still enjoy that improvement in the atmosphere where also autistic people aren't effective you see what i mean it's a good question i I probably can't answer it to be fair because it really does depend on that individual um you know where they kind of base on that on that spectrum but a lot of people I'm sure will appreciate that help but like I said there is a lot of ignorance but I think generally people want to know and want to learn and that's why I feel a responsibility to raise awareness. I think a little thing that like clubs could do is could be as simple as just not segregation but in a sense having some allocated seating Mm-hmm. safe zones it's like safe zones where they could escape from the trumpet have let it be known that on the website it's on when you're buying a ticket if you're affected please don't buy for example in the staff stand because you're more likely to hear sound it's all about like like you said it's about knowledge it's about helping people and at the same time is a lot of people go there for the first time and like you say leave at half time or even before then um but even that 20 minutes they might spend there, you want it to be positive. Um, and if we can help them extend it to the full 90 minutes, I don't say why we shouldn't. And I just feel like it's good. It's very good what you do. Um, I'm really behind it. And I think Thank a lot of people don't realise that a lot of players are probably affected by this. Yeah. There'd probably be players who are undiagnosed or may have kids. They want their kids to come and see them and they're not able to and... I think safe zones is, is the number one priority and I think something as easy as ear defenders in the club shop. Um, I'm with you. I think the club's got the ability to fund it. But if not, I'm sure parents or or adults are more than happy to, to pay £5 for a customised Tottenham gear. Yeah, they are. 
Absolutely. Um, just to kind of um, chip in, if you don't mind, to give you an example at the moment with the Spurs sensory room, right? Um, because a lot of people don't know that much about it. So it holds currently four people. And a lot of people, like when I put that tweet out about the ear defenders that providing them or sending them go, hang on, but you're provided with them with the sensory room. You made a video about it. Yes, that's correct. But the sensory room only holds four people at once. So that's only four people getting ear defenders. There's so there'll be so many people that either apply for the sensory room, don't want the sensory room, but will need those ear defenders. And I think yeah, there's a surprising amount that will benefit from it. But as you said, you know, players are the ones with the real voice that can make a real difference. It's been great to see this year with the likes of Alphonse Ariola, Tim Ream, who wore in defenders on the pitch. That sends it examples, especially you not know, being fine to the younger generation to go, you know, there's nothing wrong with this to, to cut out the stigma because, you know, a lot of people who will create the stigma around it will see their you know, heroes and professional footballers on TV and go, do you know what? There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, so whether that's accepting that perhaps they need them or, or, or for example, bullying someone with them, etc. So I think they're, they're very, very key. And obviously there will be a lot of players who are undiagnosed and they've got Paul Mullin, for example, uh, Rex, I think it's his, his daughter, um, you know, who's autistic. So he tries to wear, wear, raise awareness. And you've got James McLean, I think was the first um, yeah, openly autistic professional player as well who, who came out, etc. So it's great to see, and I think that a lot more can be done. Um, because yeah, we're, we're in approaching 2024, and we're going, there's still people who are having a negative match they experience, still, you know, people being left out of the beautiful game. And for me, that just isn't right. And you know, I won't stop until everyone has a positive match day experience. Yeah, you're doing fantastic work, and um, it's. I hope, I'm sure. Hopefully, it will bear the fruit of, or we will bear the fruit of your hard work, and people will be able to have um, uh, the opportunities and the the experiences that everybody should have as a fan. That's that's great work. Um, but we will now we'll move on to um, Nottingham Forest, and before we get onto the football, I think we have to talk about the elephant on the room, which was the refereeing performance. Just so we can get it out of the way and talk about the actual the odd bit of football that was allowed. Um, we'll go to you first, Chris. Um, what, what did you? What is there anything you want to say about that performance before I um, before I go on a little rant? Oh, listen, we need to have a rant, and we need to do this as every club in the Prem because this is not about being a victim. This is not about why is it always us or the new thing is if Romero did this. And I hate that saying because yes, it may be true, but Romero's red cards. 90% of them are warranted, right? So it's it's about stamping that out as a whole. And for me, it's the ref quality is not good enough. It's just not. And where does it come down to? It comes down to the the, the grassroots level, um, the amount of badges and, and stuff. And the main thing is, is how much they actually pay to go on their courses. It's all, most of it's self-funded, mm. right? So these people... They should be good at it because they, they're putting money in towards it. I get that point of view. But ultimately, the higher they go up and it's, the rule changes don't help them. And I can't blame it all on the refs, but if the Premier League, FIFA, UEFA, whoever's in charge, you don't know who's in charge nowadays, the amount of nonsense that goes on. But it's just not good enough, Ash. Like, I'm not being funny, like... How many years ago was it that the rule was introduced that if you flashed a yellow card or flashed a uh, flat card? You'd... Yeah, I can't remember a time when it wasn't a yellow card. To be honest. I, well, exactly. And Yates done it how many times? Done it for the Dutch one. He's done yeah. it. 
he did it. I, I mean, a lot of bingo people are saying it was twice, but he also did it a third time when Davies got booked and he wanted him to get a red. That was at least three occasions where Yates should have been sent off just just for that, let alone the eight or nine fouls that he committed in the game as well. Send him off with the three yellows. Yeah, it was ridiculous. And I, I, I tweet about it quite extensively in the game. I don't think I've ever tweeted about a game. Well, I didn't even tweet about the game. It was all about the ref. I don't think I've ever tweeted that much during a game before. And and I said at the time, like I don't mind. I can, I can understand an error from the ref, like um, not seeing a handball or, or or an offside or um, not seeing a blatant red card and giving it only as a yellow. What I couldn't accept was the cons- the, the inconsistency um, and the one-sided refereeing of that performance. What we saw was a referee that allowed Nottingham Forest to just kick us all up, all up and down the pitch. Like we, everyone's talking about how um, Nottingham Forest and Steve Cooper did an amazing job with their tactics and whatnot. But the only the reason we couldn't get into the game is because the referee didn't protect our players. And I'm absolutely shocked that Brendan Johnson was the only one who came out of that game with an injury because it was it was beyond um, being a little bit rough and and energetic from them. It was it was dangerous and it was it was constant. And we weren't getting anything. And then we saw Vidogi one foul that wasn't even a foul and he got booked and now he's suspended. Imagine being a player crying all game, right, about booking other players, right? Going and by the way, Yates didn't only just do the flashing of the cards. He he was going in flying into challenges, right? Yeah. It's a fug. He's I, an absolute fug. I would I would respect him, right? Someone like Oliver Burney, he owns his stuff. He knows he's a fug, right? But this Yates all I'm going to give you, I, I know you're not listening, but if you do, get to the gym, brother. Get to the gym, <laughs> because a doji body duty, it was shoulder to shoulder, side to side, like yeah. near a foul, and then he goes up f- flashing that card again. And do you know what? If it was consistency in terms of two different refs in two separate games, right? This is the same ref in the same game calling it for one team and not for the other and it was for the full 90 minutes with that being said i wasn't really happy with the performance i thought we was quite sloppy um i thought like we didn't create enough um brennan johnson yes he went injured but he f- for me he's he, he's got a bit of a target on his head because he's not really showed us what we expected but he's still got time don't get me wrong but it was a good win. It is a hard-fought win. A team against Forest is never easy because of their physicality. So I'm happy with the end result, but the performance wasn't just quite there for me, Ash. Yeah. Harry, what did you make of the performance, mate? Yeah, no, I completely, completely agree with you on this. I think that the performance definitely wasn't our best. I definitely think we lacked creativity. I thought we were quite sloppy. And I'd be honest with you, I don't know how we went into that half-time uh, break one nil up. I, I don't. I think it was undeserved. I'll take it absolutely. Um, so yeah, really pause at what we can improve on, and then obviously um, Basuma goes and does that, which I'm sure we get on to and makes life a, a lot more harder for us. It's fair to say, but referees' performance. Listen, we have the best league in the world, and the, for me, the worst officials in the world. And that's you know you'll hear a lot, and some people may get bored of it, but it, it's the end of the day. It's true. It's about consistency, and for me, Yates, you know, should have been booked in that game. You know, we see the imaginary yellow card for me. That's something that isn't being you know, notice necessarily or crack down on, which should be cracked down on. And we're seeing things like a doggy for me, that's, that's an error by the, by the on-field referee. So for me, like you say, it's shoulder to shoulder. Um, you know, I don't think it's a free kick. If you're getting, you know, 
can't get over it as a free kick, but a yellow card, it, it just doesn't warrant that, which means he's suspended. And a doggy for me this season has lost his head sometimes at the best of the times. He doesn't need to be given a suspension when he doesn't deserve it. You know, it's just it's not right. And um, it's, it's not just us. I know that because we saw in the Liverpool Man United game uh, where Salah was waving that imaginary card, didn't get booked. And ridiculously, Dallow, yeah. for the twice in the space of about three seconds was in trouble okay the way he reacted at most a yellow card I don't even like to be seen that given as a yellow card and I, I get like referees should be te- protected absolutely and like we saw in in Turkey with that incident with the referee it's absolutely unacceptable and you know we, we can't have that in the, in the game or, or anywhere in life but um for me in, in situations like this you're, you're allowed to be angry for me you play with that sensible passion you know unless you see, I don't know what he said so I can't really comment but Never, ever, unless he's been physical, does it for me warrant two yellow cards in the space of three seconds and Salah to get away with it. So for me, it's, it's inconsistency that is the problem. But in terms of our own performance, not good enough. If that was a Manchester City, we, we could have been in big trouble. We're just glad it was not in the forest at the end of Steve Cooper's reign. Yeah, we looked like we didn't have any ideas, really, did we? They um they set up well with their... um sort of 5-3-2 shape or whatever you want to call it but they, they had so many players back and then their two forwards more Gibbs White and Alanga um, I, I don't even know which one of them was playing as a striker they supposed to seem to be quite wide they didn't really have anyone in the middle so we kept just having the ball moving it nicely from side to side um, but it was all in front of them other than that one chance from Son at the very start um, I thought, was it within two or three minutes where he's managed to get the ball in down the left and he gets it on his right foot and I think you'd put a more, you'd put your house on him putting that away, but for whatever reason he, he struggled. I think after that we we really couldn't get a hang on the game. Um, and obviously with Johnson, you mentioned about his performance, but the what we lacked of him coming off um, wasn't so much about losing his performance, but it was putting Kulusevski out on the right. Um, which which worked out for the goal because Kulusevski that was an amazing cross from Kulusevski, but it meant yeah, which is like he's fantastic on that side. But what it meant is that we didn't have that progressive ball player in the middle of the pitch. We had Skip, was it who was it Skip Hoiberg and and Basuma, yeah, um, which isn't a midfield we ever want to see um, before or ever again. Oh, um, not Hoiberg, wasn't it? Oh, Saar, yeah, of course it was Saar. But even Saar, Saar's best work is his, his energy and getting up and down the pitch. He's not um, he's not a creative player. He's not going to be playing those um, like defence-splitting passes or anything. So that was the issue for me in the first half. Um, but yeah, as we said, uh, we, we saw Kulisevsky come up with the magic on, on the right-hand side, um, crossing in for Richarlison to score back-to-back goals for the first time in, I can't remember how long. It's been a while now. But it's been so long. But Harry, what did you make about of, of that goal and the performance of Kulisevsky in, in the match as a whole? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've really been impressed with Kulisevsky recently. And I, I questioned him at the start of the season. Um, you know, basically, I, I, know I said, I know he puts kind of the hard work in. What is he offering in front of goal for Tottenham? And, and I think we've seen him put the hard work in, you know, so far for the first half of the season. And now we're seeing an end product as well in terms of, goals, assists and goal contributions. Um, I, I much prefer him in the middle. You know, that number 10 role where Madison isn't here. I think he allows him more freedom, more space. And because for me, sometimes on the wing, he's predictable. He slows counterattacks down. He's, you know, you know, he's going to cut inside his left foot. It's going to be a cross. It's going to be a shot. And as a defender, you feel quite comfortable dealing with that. So for me, 
um, as a number 10. He's far more creative, but hasn't said that. Like you said, for that goal, you know, me going, oh, he, he can't put a good cross in. He hasn't got a right. <laughs> Something absolutely spectacular. And as someone who likes and has defended Richarlison, for me, that is, though, a case of where you give credit to you know, the cross rather than the finish and that you don't often get that in football, but that is all about the cross from Kulisewski. And yeah, Richardson still has to score it, yes, but you'd be worried if he doesn't. So very good first goal. Been very impressed with, with Kulisewski recently. Yeah, Chris, anything you want to say about Richardson? <laughs> I know you haven't had many kind words to say about him in the past, but two goals in back-to-back games and it was a it was a lovely glancing header, wasn't it? One thing we've got to make clear is as Tottenham fans, we never want a player to be bad, right? Even with our arguments over the years, Ash, with with Winks, I never wanted him to be bad. Unfortunately, I was right. And listen, I'll be the first person that... Ask yes, Leicester fans if they think he's bad. <laughs> I'll be the first person to, to criticise heavily, right? but I'll also be the first person to apologise, right? And at the moment, I've got my apology letter pending. Hopefully, Richie makes me do a special show at the end of the season. Richie apologies session i will do it a whole 45 minutes of me apologizing i'll do pigeon noises a lot I wanna... how many goals does richardson have to do for you to record an apology video between i would say in and around 15 so 13 14 is that it all right i'll hold you to that if he, if he, it's the thing richardson gets 13 goals this season no, 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 in, the, in the league i want to see that video you can see it but here's the thing right how am I going to expect someone to score 20 goals a season when they've never done it before? Yeah. I'm not going to expect someone to do something they've never done. Right? I'm realistic. I'm happy with the goals in and around the team. That If he gives me 15 goals, I'll be very happy with him. It's what he was brought in to do. Right? If he gets 20, I'll do an hour long with you. <laughs> I'm not going just to... your boxes like Gary Lineker. Yeah. Another <laughs> great performance from Richie. Seriously, his work rate's great. Um, and around the box now just sort of bringing the conversation on his next game he's coming up against some really tall physical centre-backs is he going to be able to dominate in the air I don't think so um, but yeah that's just me yeah um, we will come on to, to Everton but I think Richard is actually better suited for these kind of games than, than Son is um, when you've got a defence that is sitting deep and not allowing much room um, like we saw from Nottingham and like we're likely to see from Everton being a strong Dyche team. Um, his physical presence and him just genuinely being a nuisance for defenders as a whole probably suits us better in the middle than Son, who um, who's a fantastic finisher and he makes fantastic movement in behind. But there's not going to be much space for him in behind to be making those movements. And so Richarlison, I think, is a better option in the middle in those games. But that, that brought a close to the first half. Um, one that it looked like we were just we were sort of we're about to come out we're about to go in and a half sorry um, probably the worst of the two sides but we managed to get the, the goal lead and going at the break one nil up and we came out and we were hoping that um, Angelo Postecoglou was able to say something to put a little bit more energy and fire into the lads didn't really happen though did it Harry no it didn't happen that was a worrying thing Forrest came out flying and um, all of a sudden you know he thought oh god here we go Tottenham didn't get the second goal again poor first half performance uh it's going to cost us luckily it didn't but you know Basuma gets his red card a little bit earlier I think it could have I think Forrest are really wasteful in front of goal but yeah not the start to the half we wanted it's fair to say 
No, but it did it did finish like we like, and Kulisewski again with a great goal this time on his right foot. Um, so long may continue. We basically the, the first half was the same as the second. Um, we got kicked around the park, but we managed to find the goal, and we did really well. Um, hopefully, Everton will be slightly different, and we can come out and make really stamp our authority onto that game. What what are you hoping to see against Everton back at the lane, Harry? Uh, I'm hoping to see, obviously, a very good performance because this is a you know inform Everton side, four Premier League wins in a row. You know, 16 points would be on 26. Wasn't their 10 point deduction? That's impressive. He has two points behind Man United. You know, Man United as well. You know, want to be top four, top six. Everton, you know, stayed in the league uh, by singular point last season to give you an idea of, of, of how big that is for Everton. I love it's a given us that they've shown amongst the fans and amongst the players and credit to Sean Dyche, who for me has got his unfair criticism. Uh, over the years of that style of play, etc. But he knows how to deliver results and that ultimately is what football's about. So it won't be easy, like um, Chris says, you know, really physical side. Can the likes of Richardson cope? Can the likes of Song cope? Can, can this team cope with a very physical team? I mean, for me, it's going to be frustrating afternoon. Everton will sit back and they will look to counter, look to get set pieces. Um, we all know how it ends with Tottenham Hotspur when it comes to set pieces, in particular for me, free kicks. Uh, and, and that is where Everton been really strong at this season and will be until the day that Dyche leaves that club. So it won't be easy, but it's a game that we, we should be winning if we want to get Champions League football or we want to get in the top five, top six, whatever as fans our aim is for the season. This is a game we have to be winning against an informed side where odds are potentially stacked against us. A lot of opposition fans I speak to and a lot of just you know neutral football fans go, I can see this being a banana skin. So to avoid the banana skin and get three points is... Ideal. <laughs> so. Yeah, no, I couldn't have put it better myself. Um, I know that you do have to shoot off now. Um, I don't want to keep you hanging. You're making an appearance elsewhere, aren't you? So um, you're you're a very busy young man. But we'd like to thank you very much for for coming on. We really appreciate it. Um, come when we post it, we'll let you know because we're going to do a little um, little transfer chat as well. But um, I think we'll we'll let you go now so that you can go and. Going to bigger and better things. Just before you go, Harry, um, score prediction. Score prediction. I'm going to 2-1. Um, Spurs completely contradict what I said in terms of potentially. <laughs> that's the way I like to do it. I think um, Cowboy Lewin will, will actually score the first goal. I think Son will score a brace and, and turn the game on its head. I think, like I said, it'd be frustrating. I think for the first 55, 60 minutes, we'll be losing the game. It'll be really difficult um, and you know, not pretty at all. But I do think we'll get the job done in the end. Good man, and, and uh, obviously we've spoken about your good work that you do with autism. Um, is there anything you you want to promote or, or get out to the people so we can all come and uh, support you? Yeah, I just wanted to say if you if you want to follow me, you can. Uh, my Twitter's Harry Scarf twenty two. Always up for a discussion, etc. Uh, I have my own channel, uh, Scarfy Spurs. So I've had the privilege to get you know so many uh, young fans on, so many fans on with disabilities, etc. Um, and ultimately, that's what I stay up for to give people that that opportunity who wouldn't have had otherwise. Because you know, some people may need that encouragement to speak up. Some people may not have that platform. So to give them that is always been a dream of mine. So hopefully, I can take that to the next level. But thank you very much for having me. It's, it's been a pleasure. Um, you know, if you're ever looking for a guest, etc., I'd, I'd absolutely love to come back on. Pleasure. Uh, going to it for longer. But thank you very much for having me. Thank you. Thanks for coming on, mate. Speak to you soon. Best. Have a good rest of the show. Up the Spurs. Yeah, so um, Harry put that game into 
expected pretty well. I'm not sure if you can do it any better, but um, that summed up Dyche and and what I'd expect to see from Everton really well. Chris, anything you you need to add? He's, he's right. I think an important player for me um, is going to be potentially, and I say again, our, our most consistent player, probably player of the season so far, Pedro Porro. Um, I love him. I love him, Christian. I love him so much. I in this game, we're going to rely on him a bit more because Dwight McNeil is a defensive winger. Yeah. He can help in the, in the in the final third and in the final phase. Don't get me wrong, but predominantly, he's not the quickest. He's agile, um, quite big for a winger, but he'll help out defensively um, with. Oh, I'm going to butcher his name, Milichenko. <laughs> Mikalenko. Mikalenko, yeah. <laughs> uh, I was thinking of Shevchenko, the best yeah. Ukraine of all time. Um, but yeah, no, I think Pedro Porro cutting inside. The White McNeil is going to have to follow him um, because we'll man him, we'll match him free man in the midfield. Um, so yeah, I think Pedro Porro could be very dangerous in that game. Um, for me, another very important piece is who do we go with, Ash? Who goes in that midfield? Do you think it's Skip or Hoiberg? I think Hoiberg. Um, I think for his experience, but also he's got a little bit more height on him. And I am terrified about dealing with set pieces with Everton. We saw um, in their last match just how dangerous they can be um, from set pieces. And they've got giants all over the pitch. Um, I think Mikalenko might be the only one on the pitch that's under six foot. Um, it's, it's ridiculous how big their team are. And, and not just big, but physical and and really good in the year. Nana was the latest one to score uh, from a set pace, but the Kure is dangerous. We know how good David, um, how good Calvert Lewin is in the air. Tarkovsky, uh, Keane, if he's playing even Godfrey, it's going right. to be a fight. Let's have a look at the players who scored against Tottenham in that team, right? Out <laughs> looking. Tarkovsky scored against us. Michael Keane scored against us. Um, I think the Kure has. Palace, Palace, um, Watford. Oh, Watford. Sorry, sorry. I was thinking about um, the other decoy. Yeah, the other one. <laughs> um, and is, was it Czech Kuate that played there, or was he West Ham? I'm getting confused now. But anyway, my boy yeah. dead right now. But the point is, they've got a bunch of really tall guys that love scoring against us. Yeah, it's 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 not even just that. It's like freaking like we used to have a thing where. Remember, like, goalkeepers used to just turn up against Tottenham. They still do, mate. <laughs> what, was it, what was it? Um, the Tim Krull. Yeah, Tim Krull turned up, but then you had that Dorius, De Vrijer, I, I can't say these names. <laughs> I have no idea you're talking about. Yes, Tim Keeper. I have no idea. But, uh, yeah. yeah. Dorius, I remember that. Um, but, yeah, all keepers used to turn up against us. But at the moment, like, in recent years... You remember Michael Keane's against Lucas Moura. Yeah. Absolute banger. Yeah, uh, but it's not going to come to that again. But yeah, for me, that Skip Hoiberg decision is a big one. I think if he goes Hoiberg, then he will go straight in as the deep line playmaker, like the six. But if you go Skip, I think you have to put Saar as that deep line playmaker, which could then limit... Sars' ability yeah. to affect the game. So yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to see that. I think Sars' best attribute is how he gets up and down, how he covers for Pedro Porro. That, that relationship he's got with Pedro Porro is really, really important to us. I don't think Porro could do 
quite as, as much as he, he has been doing um, when there's somebody else there. We, we sort of struggle when Saar wasn't in the team. So I wouldn't want to move him. I think we'd do too much. Just put Hoytier in the six um, and, and keep the rest as it is. I think Johnson is clear to come back in. Because then we might have to play all three of them and Kulu back out right. Now, I think from from memory, the uh, Johnson injury was a, was a deep cut, not concussion. So there's no protocol he has to go through. So assuming he's well... They didn't do a concussion sub. I don't know if it was a concussion sub or not. I'm not sure what happens. But yeah, I, I, my so, understanding is that there isn't a pro, he doesn't have to do the protocol. So that means he can call it as a, as a sub, because I believe if you, as soon as you call it as a sub, you have to go through the protocol. Yeah, I mean, maybe they didn't, because I, I remember them saying in the game that it's, just, it's a deep cut, it's not a concussion. So... Um, he should be fine. We saw him doing the, um, he was out with Eric Dyer at the um, food banks with a big old bandage over his, over the top of his head. So, so maybe if, if he can do that, then yeah. we'll see. We'll, we'll wait and see what he can do. Because I think having Kulisewski in the middle is vital to our pool progression. The way he can just, um, it's Dembele-esque the way he avoids a tackle. Um, you know you know what he's going to do, but it doesn't matter because you can't get it from him. <laughs> you get it, he'll get it around you one way or another anyway. Um, so he, he, yeah, as as has been the case for the majority of the season, Poro, Kulazewski and Son um, would be the players that win us the game. The What worries me is about the, um, the players on the pitch that could lose it for us. Um, and obviously Romero, is he still one booking away from missing another two games? He is. Doesn't get reset until, until game week 19, the end of game week 19. Yeah. Um, so, so you're like, thinking if you're Calvin Lewin, you're just going to stick it in on him the whole game and mate, wasn't he he put himself back in your school. <laughs> Come on, man. I don't know. I'm saying that's what I would do. Inside, I'd try and wall him up. Inside his uh, football kit, he's got a fragile sticker. <laughs> Telling you. <laughs> well, like one of those boxes that's got glassware when you're moving out. <laughs> He's definitely got that. But no, I'm not worried about Calvert Lewin. Again, in and around the box, of course. Um, but Davies carries on his current form. Um, not to worry. He's not going to be someone that's going to be ultra quick getting in behind. I think Romero deals with him without having to be ultra aggressive. Um, I think even against Forrest, there was a lot of potential for Romero to lose his head. Like that was the game. That was the game. Yeah, I was I was absolutely shocked with just how calm and composed he was. I think he was about that booking. I honestly do. So, um, yeah, I think they'll rein it in a bit. Um, but, yeah, I think you're right. I think Johnson has to start if he's fit. Um, because, like you say, Cooley down the middle and it allows us to move Son and play Richie yeah. through the middle. Um I would like to see some low crosses and Richie getting in tight areas because Tark getting in between Tarkovsky, Keane, or even uh, Godfrey. It's a tough, it's a tough ask. Um, so yeah, it's going to be. That's why I say Poro because the position on the crosses are going to have to be perfect. Yeah, and we know he can put a wonderful ball in from that sort of half space. Um, what are your what's your score prediction then, Chris? I'm going 2 0. 2 0, confident. I, I don't see them scoring. I I do see them scoring. I see them scoring from a set piece, um, or I see him, uh, McNeil crossing it into uh, to Calvert Lewin, who's peeled off onto Davies and just towers over him. To, to do you see uh, Big Vic save 
from a cross against Forest. There's no chance Tark's scoring. We'll see. We'll see. I can see them scoring one way or another, so I'm going to go with 2-1. Um, I do think we're going to have more control over that game than we have at, we, we saw against Nottingham Forest. I know that everyone will try and make it uh, difficult for us, but I think we've got enough quality to pass the ball around. If this, if this was Evan at home, I'd be saying 0-0, 1-1, written all over it. Right, I'm not disrespecting them. I just think they're going to probably respect us a bit too much in the first 45. Yep. Uh, and as good as they've been, you can still see vulnerabilities. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Let's see how it goes. But hopefully it's uh, it's a better, more comfortable win for us than it was last time. And, and no injuries or suspensions coming out of it. That would be my Christmas uh, wish. But moving beyond Christmas and into the new year, it's the transfer window coming up. And the uh, silly season has well and truly started. Uh, first, we were going to get Dragos in. Then he was dry at signing a new contract. Now he might not be signing a new contract. Uh, Jean-Claire Tadivo, another centre-half. We were going to sign him. Now it's looking unlikely, but in the winter anyway. So it's all up in the air. Christian, you're usually our Serie A guru, but uh, you don't watch Genoa, do you? Let's be honest. I've watched him a fair few times. <laughs> what do you make of uh, the the uh, Romanian international ready Dragosin then? Yeah, Dragosin's been a good player. It's been solid, um, especially defensively. Um, big, strong guy. Has got a, turn, a good turn of pace. Um, he's decent. My only concern is, yes, he's been playing as the left centre back, uh, but he is right footed. Um, so he's how? Done a bit of both, to be fair. I've looked, I look back. Yeah. He's done a bit of both. The difference. Um, the difference being is that Ange is going to require him to take the ball on more often. Uh, how many times is Genoa going to want him to be playing in that kind of situation? Like we were saying about Vicario at Empoli. Um, so yeah. Um, good player, good young player. We saw, we saw, we saw my notes when I thought that it was there was that the contract was signed and still delivered um, with, with with an extension with Genoa. So I posted out my notes. So <laughs> I'm not going to go and read them. But basically, they go along the lines of he's dominant in the air. Like yeah. he wins seven out of every ten headers the same, which is ridiculous for his half. It's it's absolutely mental. Um, players do not dribble past him. He, he he wins the tackle, and that but that may be because Genoa play really deep and they pack the defence out and they and they pack the midfield out as well, so there, there isn't really much space to get around him anyway, um, which might explain why, why his stats there look really good, um, and yeah he's got a bit of, decent bit of pace. He, he doesn't really I haven't really seen him dribble with the ball much. He seems to just whack it clear at every opportunity. Um, so he would have to adjust a fair bit to follow him. You, could, you can see why we're looking at him. He's only 21 at the end of the day. Um, and his physicality and, and that would lend well to the Premier League. It's just how well could he adapt to um, to being a, the kind of centre-back that Ange Postacoglu would want in the he team. Does, they have played like a 3-5-2. Uh, so if Ange wanted to go there, he could be central, Van der Ven left and... Romero on the right, like you say, he's comfortable on both feet, but it's when you're going to be on your weak foot majority of the time. Um, but that's why I, I, um, that's why I thought it made sense to go for him now because um, it's likely we're only going to sign one centre back in January, um, knowing that we've, Davies' performance has stepped up, but also he's not, he's not a centre half, and he's, not, it's difficult. But if you can get a right-footed centre-half who's going to be the long-term rotation option for Romero, but who's also comfortable on the left-hand side 
for the short term to cover for Van der Ven while he's injured and then we can go and get a left-footed one out in the summer. I can, I can see the logic in that. I'm not saying that's what I would do. 100%. But it makes sense. Um, okay. But the other centre-half we got is similar physically, um, but quite different in a lot of other elements. And that's Jean-Claire Todibo, uh who looks really, really good. Um, again, excited, Ash. I haven't seen I haven't seen much of him, and so I want to temper it. I'm not going to be one of those guys that oh yeah he's uh, he's he's great on FIFA, so yeah. therefore he's great. Too much, I'll be honest. But I'm, the reason why I'm not getting excited is not because he's from what I've seen he's not a great player. It's just not happening. I don't see it happening. Mm. The big thing is the owner of that club is joining Manchester United. Yeah, but want to sell to us, right? Mm. Even if he's not there yet, because he hasn't passed the the proper person, so he can still have conversations in the background. He can still lend money here, left, right, and centre. We know how dodgy football is. So come on now, he can just stall that deal as long as he can. But also, what we got to remember here is, Tadebo's a young guy who went to Barcelona with a lot of hype. Right. It didn't work out for him. He's already been at a club where he's been sat on the bench. He's, he's only just starting to recuperate his career. He's working really well at Nice in the few games I've seen him. And his stats look great. Phenomenal. Right? Like he's 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 in um, like the 93rd, 94th percentile, which basically means he's in the top um, seven or eight percent of centre-backs in the world for, 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 for tackles. Um, for progressive passes, um, it's just ridiculous. His stats are insane. If you go on that FB Ref website, it's just a sea of green. It's mental. The bad thing is, is the thing for me again is when you're just recuperating. I know he's still young. Is he going to want to come and potentially have to prove his point again when he's just got himself back in? Looking at the French centre backs, looking at the Euros. Mm. The Saliba's probably the only nailed-on starter. The way that Bidashile's playing, poor. Upman Karno, not great. Tim Pempe, still out injured with, I think it's an ACL. So he could get into that. Is he really going to go on a sit on the bench? Because, let's be honest, right, and I've seen this on Twitter and it's driving me crazy, but I've kept myself quiet. The people saying that this guy's going to come and replace Romero. Yeah, that's, that's fucking nonsense. Stupid. It's it's stupid. Romero is a Rolls Royce of a centre back. Tadebo is very, very good. Can we rotate a hundred percent? Right. But if you're telling me he benches Romero, I'm sorry because Romero lets us play the way we play. Um, even in the offensive end, the amount of times he comes in and and tries to play in a forward pass and split the lines in the final third. The, no other centre-back's going to give you. They're just going to get the ball and pass it out to the wing and receive it and go back to the, the centre-mid um, sideways passing. Like, Romero offers us so much more. And I just think with with um, the um, with the owner situation at Man United, um, with the player, and he will probably want to, to start every game with the cost that they're probably going to put on his head. Not to mention that, not to forget that Nisa second. They're in a like a bona fide title challenge as well. Are they going to lose? Want to lose their starting centre back? The other centre back that starts with him is forty-year-old Dante. Can they afford to lose him? No, I don't know. I don't know. Um, it would be it would be a real, real sign of intent um, from the board. 
I can see I can see logic and him wanting to join us um, because you know Romero is going to miss a certain amount of games a season and so is Van der Ven and if we're in Europe next season then there's going to be lots of rotation I can see I can see the logic in it but yeah it, it's it's with Romero being thing like that Ash uh, no but what I was going to say with Romero single game with Romero being as good as he is, as a, whatever Tottenham fan, whatever fans want to think because he's got his red cards, whatever, as, as good as he is, it's another Harry Kane backup situation we've got. Um, we're not going to get another centre-back as good as Romero to be his rotation option. Like we were never, it was really difficult to find a, a top quality striker to be backup to Harry Kane. Um, but we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. It's, it's a good sign. It's, he's the right profile that we want. Quick, quick, strong, progressive in both passing and dribbles. Um, doesn't lose the ball and doesn't get dribble pass often. That's that's kind of what you want. Um, and he's got yeah, he's got the pace that we need from our centre backs. Yeah, um, not so Perfect profiling, and this leads us on to who we're realistically going to get. And the further you go down the list, because we've seen the Romano tweets. Um, and stuff like where they're saying Tottenham are working on a tight budget. They've got a list of seven centre-backs, whatever it may be. Could be it's more likely in the close of 100 centre-backs because they're scouting every freaking day. Yeah. But it gets bleak. I'll be honest with you. It gets bleak. There's certain players that can do a job, but I'm seeing Lloyd Kelly again. I'm seeing Tossin Adebayo again. Um, Adebayo. Yeah, and Godfrey. Godfrey. I can see... I can't see Kelly anymore because of his injuries. I think we've been put off injury-prone players. Same maybe with Tottenham Bio. And in the in the summer, we had reports that he said his heart set on Monaco. I can see I can see him waiting out the rest of his contract and just choosing the club to go to. Um, I can see a Godfrey happening. He's, he's on the bench at Evans. Oh. He, he'd come. He'd swap the bench at Evans. Be on the bench at Spurs, wouldn't he? Oh, of course he would. Well, that poor. Come on, man. I, I think he's all right. Okay. Uh, he's not. He's not Sadibo, but I think he's all right. He's fourth choice centre back. Yeah. But he, he plays. He's played in literally every defensive position for Everton. And he's a proper he's utility man. Now, now not playing in any of them. Yeah. Not playing any of them, right? Fourth choice centre back in a dice team, where he's got Tarkovsky, great uh, fight. Um, Braithwaite's been class, though, to be fair. That's a player I want to go and get. He's class. I can see it in him. Right? Very, very Van der Venice-esque, that, that player. He thinks he's great. And then you've got Godfrey, a fourth choice. Are we really shopping at Evans? Fourth, fourth choice. Um, I think we've had Paratici giving us quiet hints and tips. He's not missed. So why are we just going to stop that? And I'm not saying just go shopping Italy, of course not. But there is a lot of defensive talent in Spain, in Germany. And for me, Tosti doesn't want to be there. Lloyd Kelly always injured, like you're saying. And there's, there's got to be a better option. Than... Well, what we found recently as well is that the names that are in the, the, the media or social media domain uh, for the longest of ones generally we don't go for. Yeah. Um, so we'll wait and see. Um, if, if these names have been out there for a while, usually it seems to be a smoke screen. Or, or, or... I hope that Morato one's right. I like him. I Who's like that? Morato. 
don't know who it is. Uh, he's at, oh my gosh, Benfica Sporting 102. Oh, yeah, the, the young Brazilian center Yeah, yeah. Um, there's this, oh, oh, yeah, there's, there's rumors of a massive um, buyout clause that he doesn't probably, and then they're not going to set anything else, so we'll wait and see. Top, um, top player, I really like him. Yeah, we'll see, like, it's the same sort of profile, quick, strong, all of that. Yeah, no, exactly. And if you look at his team, I think he's sporting. They played a free, a free man defence with an average age of like 22. Yeah, because they got that Diamonde as well, didn't they? Diamonde, Inacio, and Morato. I take a little three of them. That's, that's, that's a pretty unreal uh, centre house. If you had that on Football Manager, you'd be set for years, wouldn't you? You'd be <laughs> um, Jeremy, other name that's come up consistently. Or maybe there's there's two names to be fair, but the, the one that we people probably may not know about is the Santiago Jimenez from um, Feyenoord, who was the he's the Mexican international, 22 years old. He's about five foot eleven, six foot, but he's not he's not the most physical. I'm not sure he fits in with the Ange with Ange ball at all, Chris. Have you seen much of him? No, not a lot. But uh, but just looking at looking at his stats in the odd clip, he seems to. And I'll be honest with you, like, Raul Jimenez is probably one of the best all-time strikers out of Mexico. Right? Mm. With Chicharito, do you know what I mean? We've had, um, what was his name, Carlos Vela. Oh, yeah. Don't so, if he's, if he's that kind of ilk, the money they're quoting, probably 30, 40 million euros, I'm not doing that. I'll be honest with you. I'm not doing it, but it's a if he proves me wrong, if he's the right profile, one thing I want to make clear is that Paratici hasn't missed, Ange hasn't missed, and do I trust Ange? Yes. If he's the right kind of profile, I'm all for it. I've trusted him in my life. I'd let him hold my newborn baby at the top of the Empire State Building. Ange is the guy. He's the absolute guy. Um, right, is there anything else we need to talk about or plug before the uh, before we say goodbye to the lovely gentleman? Just ladies. Uh, in terms of January transfer window, what is your feelings on priorities? Do you think they've got it right? Looking uh, centre forward? Definitely centre back, obviously. That goes without saying. Um, I've, I've, te- I've sort of swung between a top, top, top quality left winger and have Son as a striker or... Um, have Son as a left winger and bring in a top top quality striker. But they're both really difficult to do in January, isn't they? So I don't know. I'd, I'd, well, realistically, we're looking at two signings. Um, that tends to be the max people sort of, of most clubs do in January, let alone Spurs. Um, so I reckon it's a centre back and then replacing who we who who managed to sell. To be honest. Okay. I see that. Um, so maybe maybe if we sell Hoybjerg, there's been a lot of talk about that. Then then we go in and get Gallagher. Oh, Don Don, you was going so well, and then you said that that bum's name. I don't know. I I I like him. Well, placing placing Hoiberg with someone who is of a similar quality in terms of what he offers is mainly work rate. No, I think he's a lot better than that. I think he's a lot better than that, and. Uh, 
I'll, I'll let everyone else make their judgment on Gallagher. We're never going to agree on him. No. Um, but uh, yeah, let let us know. But I, uh, Christian, you think he's a he's a, he's he's a work? What's the word when people say the? Oh, anyway, yeah, it doesn't matter. He's, yeah, I, you you think he's just he just does a lot of work, and I think he's got a bit of this skill and quality to him. Um, it's been quite difficult to show that in the current Chelsea team and the mess that has been for the last few years. But anyway, doesn't matter. We'll, we'll, maybe we'll talk about him when he if he's actually got a Spurs shirt on. Until then, um, this is probably our last one before Christmas, if we're honest. So uh, it is. No, we've got a game on the twenty third. Yeah, but. We're going to be together for Christmas Eve. We're going to do a live... Maybe we'll do a special Christmas Eve. We'll do a special one. Maybe, maybe. If, After if, a few drinks. Yeah, if everyone's uh, lucky, you know. A la Alan Brazil. <laughs> I'm not getting that ready in the face. <laughs> Jesus. All right, well, uh, if we don't hear from you, have a Merry Christmas. If we do, uh, tune in, we'll, we'll let you know. And uh, as always, come on, you Spurs.